Welcome to the Leadership Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Jono White. I'm the founder and principal consultant of Clarity. We are an Australian-based consultancy that works with leaders around the world, and our passion is to invest in people to become everything they're meant to be in order to fill the world with healthy organizations that people love to work for and customers line up to buy from. The goal of this podcast is to invest in you and your leadership. If you're just joining us for the first time, then feel free to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there. The most popular being our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from around the world in all different sectors give their in-depth answers on leadership, what books they love, what they found most challenging, uh, the most meaningful stories, how they how they structure their time through the day. That's free, so go and check it out. And we'd love to interview you about your leadership. I believe you have advice from your experience, your context, and your life so far that is important and can help other leaders. It's also a great way to give back. It's free to get involved, and you can do so by going to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest, or just Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form that pops up. We have a free resource for you on our website. It's called Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook. It has interviews with 10 world-class leaders, and you can go to consultclarity.org. It's right at the top and get that today. Uh, we also have a daily email that we send out to over 15,000 leaders, and that email contains the highlights, our best content from our podcasts, our blog, uh, my book, uh, the books that we're loving that are out there about leadership, it's also the best way to get access to our masterclasses and workshops before anyone else. And there's also exclusive and limited uh, special options just for subscribers. And you can subscribe by going to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe. Now, my gift to you is to work incredibly hard to provide the best leadership content I can to invest in you and your leadership. So if you're finding our content helpful, if you find this podcast helpful, then your gift to me uh, could be this. If you, if you do find it helpful, then write a review or rate our content and make sure you subscribe or follow. I can't emphasize enough how helpful that is. It really does help us to get the word out there so we can invest in more leaders to become everything they're meant to be. It also means a lot to me personally when people like you and people in our community share our content on social media. So if you do that, then please do look for me, Jono White, to tag me and look to tag Clarity uh, on whatever platform you're on. And our team, including me, I, I'm always looking to see when people have mentioned us so that I can engage with you. And also we look at sharing content. So if you if you write something about something we've done, there's also a good chance we'll share that with our followers. So if you could do that, that is a massive, massive help as we try to invest in as many leaders as we can around the world. Last of all, you can check out my book about how to deal with difficult people even if you hate conflict. It's called Step Up or Step Out. It's available on Amazon. You can just look up Step Up or Step Out, John O. White, or you can go to store.consultclarity.org forward slash book and check it out there. I 
have coached leader after leader after leader and in more than 50% of the sessions, this topic comes up. How do I deal with this person? I'm finding it really difficult and, and I just wanna find a way that doesn't blow up to do a really, just to have a difficult conversation, to lead them better. How do I do that? There's a three-step process that I outline in this book that I believe can help you. Okay, let's get into today's episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Today's guest is Jeff Henningsen. Jeff is president of Lockton Companies in Houston. Welcome to the podcast, Jeff. Thank you, Jana. First of all, can you just tell our listeners about what you do in your role as president and, and just about Lockton Companies and specifically in Houston where you're, where you're leading it there? Sure, absolutely. And thank you for having me on the podcast today. It's interesting to talk to somebody from across the globe who has a passion for stories from executives and leaders, and I look forward to this. Lockton is the largest privately held insurance broker in the world. I actually have several offices in Australia where you're located and about $2.2 billion in revenue. And a traditional insurance broker representing Fortune 100 companies all the way down to even personal lines insurance. So pretty broad spectrum of what we do. My particular focus is working with private equity firms as they're acquiring businesses evaluating the target company's insurance and benefits and really anything under the two line items in the P&L label insurance. We evaluate and let them know what's there, what issues there might be, and prep them for ultimately acquiring the business, placing rep and warranty insurance, DNO, et cetera. And then once the company's acquired, we work with that portfolio company on their insurance all the way through exit. So really an LOI to exit type of service model. That's really my day job. My evening job or, or other job is playing a leadership role in the uh, Texas Lockton operation, which spans from Texas to Louisiana and, and Alabama, helping our various producers or sales folks in their efforts and our overall operation, which is about 450 associates. Thank you for, uh, for filling us in on that. It's really interesting what you do. I love, and I know our listeners love hearing leaders like yourself, you know, talk about your story. So as you think back, let's start with your childhood. You know, when you were growing up, are there any moments from that season or, or even just you look back and, and see a, a theme that really shaped you into the leader you are today? It's interesting. I, I really haven't talked about this much with anybody. I grew up in Missouri, where I was born, in a small town, and my parents were both teachers at some smaller high schools around the northwest part of Missouri, and then moved to Omaha, Nebraska. And so I think the basis for who I am are both my parents, who are strong educators, strong, positive leaders, coaches, and really just have had a passion, particularly my mother, for learning her entire life. And I think that's really one of the main drivers of who I am. And for those that may want to look me up on LinkedIn, I just did a post on International Women's Day about my mom's journey from being a high school math teacher and having her mathematics master's to going back to school when I was in high school and achieving a doctorate in engineering and then getting recruited by SAC Air Force Base. And ultimately, after almost 30 years retiring as a three-star equivalent in the Air Force, running all their analytics and having awards named after her and doing all kinds of amazing things. So 
I think I'm falling short of how high her aspirations took her, but I had great role models. That's wonderful. I love hearing stories like that. And, and I always have to ask now, as you're leading the different things that you're doing, uh, you know, now with the, you know, hundreds of people that you're involved with, um, interested to know if there's anything in how you lead right now that you can really see, you know, you sort of look at it and go, wow, that definitely comes from my mum. I learned that from my mum. Like, are there any, any lessons, any sort of strategies that you use, <laughs> any quotes that you share that you can really link back to her? It's interesting because I would say that for the first part of my work career, I thought I might be leaning more on my dad's habits and things that he did. He was a, he's just one of those guys that knew everybody. And, you know, when you're driving down the road, he'd wave at the car coming at him. And and I find found myself doing the same thing. And just, you know, back in the day, this is probably 25 years ago when I first started working in the insurance space after spending four years on the private equity side, we would call offices in New York. And of course, the gatekeeper secretary or, or receptionist at the time in New York was very grumpy. And we always had this goal of making them laugh and trying to, you know, be really nice to them and eventually warm them up. And that was definitely my father. But as I made this post a couple of weeks ago on my mother, there were many Air Force folks that found the the post and ended up chiming in about my mom doing the same thing in the hallway at the Pentagon, knowing everybody. So clearly it was from both of them. And, and I think I definitely grabbed a lot of, um, of their DNA. I'm an only child. So I had full attention from both my parents, which is fun. But, um, <laughs> but I think that, you know, just this concept of being a grinder, outworking people, and doing it with an attitude and a personality that is enjoyable to be around. Yeah, that's fantastic and a great approach that I think, uh, you know, the proof's in the in the pudding. I, lo- I love the story you shared about your mom and, and just about how um, I, I just really admire thinking of what it would be like to do what she did to actually go back to school, get a doctorate in engineering. And wow, that is that is remarkable. Well, her goal was not to work for the Air Force, which brings me back to an interesting discussion. When she was finishing her doctorate, the Air Force came calling on her, not the other way around. And we had a very long discussion in our family about my mom going to work for a enterprise that, you know, obviously part of the job of the Air Force is to defend the country, but also to, you know, kill people, to be blunt. That was really an interesting discussion because we really talked about whether or not she would want to do that. And at the end of the day, we made the decision as a family that we would prefer to have somebody like her as part of the Air Force than maybe somebody with a different mentality. And so she took that job and you know brought all of her thoughts and, and strengths and smarts to, to it and, and represented the country the way that the population would want somebody to represent us. As you think back on your career, do you remember the first opportunity you had as a leader? Obviously, leadership is influence, so there's all the different chances you have, but the first real opportunity to manage people, to to lead a project, what comes to mind? It's interesting because it's not a uh, job per se, but I've played sports my entire life and grew up playing basketball and football and golf and I do think that sports have a good foundation for teaching you how to 
lead and also work on a team as a team member with another leader, whether it's the coach or whether it's the quarterback or the point guard or whatever position you want to draw the analogy to. But um, I played quarterback for 17 years, and that probably is my first experience of becoming a leader. And what I go back to, which is effectively, I think how my brain is wired today is, is that I always felt like I needed to do more than my team. I needed to spend more hours in the weight room than the team. I needed to spend more hours watching film than the team and really just outwork, out hustle and and be an example for the team. And I knew that that would ultimately deliver the success I was looking forward to. And when I look back on whether it was building a lawn mowing business while I was playing football or moving to Texas and, and going into the private equity space and competing with some folks in, in my private equity firm I was working with or doing what I need, do now, I've always had this philosophy, which was really well uh, summarized in my podcast by one of my guests. We were talking and I asked him what his favorite quote or motto was. And he said, you know, Jeff, it might sound a little bit quirky, but grinders win. And I was like, that doesn't sound quirky at all to me. That is spot on. <laughs> That's so good. And yeah, it's uh, it's so true. It reminds me of, um, uh, I, I'm a big Seinfeld fan and Jerry Seinfeld did a uh, an interview on the Tim Ferriss show on his podcast. And uh, one of the things I, I loved about that was hearing someone so creative who's been so successful who kept coming back to the point where he said, you know what, probably most of my success comes down to, you know, and he used the phrase, just work, like just do the work, just get in. And he said, if I would just be so disciplined with, with writing and testing new material that I think it just, you, you know, that just honed my, honed my skills and kept me, um, kept me on, you know, really on a good sort of edge with what I was doing and I thought, wow, that's not what I expected from someone with the talent of Jerry Seinfeld. But I guess what he was saying was a pretty similar idea that, um, you know, yeah, that grinders win. We must be cut from the same cloth because I also listened to that podcast as well as Matthew McConaughey with Tim Ferriss, kind of in the same window of time. And what I thought was quite interesting is the parallel to both of those gentlemen and how they approach their craft. And Matthew McConaughey said something similar that, People think when he gets on set or on stage, he's winging it. And he said what they don't realize is how much work he does to show up to make it look like he's winging it. And that's what you're saying about Seinfeld. Yeah. The other interesting Seinfeld comment in that one that jumped out at me was how he talked about gamifying everything. And I think that really is another piece of what what I like to do, which is, you know, and that's partly goal setting, but when you set goals and you gamify things, your, your brain automatically wants to over, overperform whatever hurdle you just uh, hit. And and that was a big thing that Seinfeld talked about. Yeah, that's, that's so good. Uh, such a good episode. People should definitely check it out. Thinking a bit further forward in, in your career, uh, you know, as it might be recent, it might still be a while uh, back in the past, but I'm interested to know, any aha moments you had where you think back and you go, for some reason, that moment, uh, what happened in that, you know, uh, in that moment was really an aha moment, a turning point, a, you know, sometimes the penny drops on a really important concept um, and it sticks with you. Any of those sort of moments that come to mind from your career? I do. And 
unfortunately going back to my sports days, but when I, um, oh, I love sport. Played, so please uh, play. <laughs> anyone, everyone who listens will know I've talked too much about sports. So, uh, please continue. I love, I love chatting about sports. <laughs> well, I, I do as well. Talk too much about sports. Uh, not about current day sports, but just using them as, as examples, particularly, folks that excel like Tom Brady or some coaches that do some amazing things with their teams like Nick Saban. And I'm not even a huge Alabama fan, but I'm a huge Nick Saban fan and how he processes things and, and really Mm. expects a lot from his team, but also gives them the ability to be successful. My aha or career shaping or life shaping time period was I, I walked onto the university of Missouri's football team in 1983, there were no other quarterbacks that came to Missouri that year. There were already seven quarterbacks on the team. So obviously as the new person, I was the eighth string quarterback showing up uh, for uh, fall camp. I won't go through the long story, but through beating out several other quarterbacks and starting the year as the fifth string quarterback, and then the fourth string quarterback blowing his knee in a JV game, and the third string quarterback breaking his hand when somebody tried to pick up on his girlfriend at a bar. And uh, I became the third string quarterback at Missouri the year that we went to the Holiday Bowl. And I got to emulate Steve Young from BYU and and, uh, later the San Francisco 49ers. And Mm. and it was a great experience. The next year, I was also third string quarterback. And then we had a bad year. And so they fired the entire coaching staff and I started over. And as I walk on, you always go to the bottom of the heap and, and had to you know, kind of work my way back up. And by the time I got to my junior year in the spring, going into my junior year, I was the number one quarterback. But in the fall, I was number two behind a uh, highly supported by alumni uh, quarterback who had great physical attributes uh, and could do some amazing things, but maybe wasn't quite as proficient on the field. And they started that other gentleman. Um, go into, into my senior year, I was also number one in the spring. And then in the fall, another quarterback was uh, put in front of me. And, and what was interesting was my quarterback coach said, you are our number one quarterback in stats and proficiency and all the things that we need our quarterback to do, but it is out of my control. Somebody else made this decision. And what that has influenced in my entire career is it basically has forced me mentally to avoid situations where things are outside of my control and that I've I've leaned in pretty heavily to things that I could control and that it was really up to my effort to be successful as opposed to being in an organization where, and Lockton is not this type of organization for the folks who are in the sales roles that I'm in. It is all a hundred percent eat what you kill and you're either successful or you're not. There's no in-between. And, and on the other side, there's nobody saying, well, you know, Jono just had a baby and he needs a little bit more money for that. And Jeff, I know you had a good year, but, you know, we need <laughs> to spread the wealth. You know, there's no no gray area. It is very clear whether, you, <laughs> whether you're successful or not. And, <laughs> and so that was really, I think, one of the interesting points where I, I used to write a lot in a journal and I wrote on many occasions that I would never in the future put myself in a position where my fate is decided by somebody else. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. Um, <laughs> thank you. Thank you for, for sharing that story. And, and I can see how that's uh, had such a big impact 
impact on your life and, and on your leadership. The other thing that might be interesting uh, just to share, because it's yeah. not obvious to uh, many people that I work with, but I was actually supposed to be a teacher and a coach like my parents. And I graduated from the University of Missouri with a teaching degree in marketing education. I uh, mentioned mowing grass. I actually started a lawn mowing business while I was playing football. And while our uh, team was taking their rest in between two days in August uh, at the hotel and the air conditioning, I was mowing grass. And that was because I was still a walk-on and I needed to make some money so I could eat and survive in college. As I progressed into the role I'm in now, the teaching background and the, the concepts that I learned in college, as well as obviously growing up with two teachers as parents, have really brought forward what my passion is, growing people to achieve what they want to achieve. And, you know, it, it's, it's really, really rewarding to try to give associates and my kids and, and young people a platform and, and a little bit of help that and it may be because I didn't have any help when I was growing up because my parents, both being teachers, didn't have any business background. They were incredibly smart and, and educated me and, and gave me a lot of life lessons. But the one thing they didn't have was you know great connections or really understanding what happens in a business. And so being able to provide that to uh, to young people is really a passion of mine. Yeah, that's um, that's incredible. And and I, I, uh, I can see how that would have been shaped by like you said, by your experience uh, growing up and wanting to uh, to give that to, to people that, that you didn't necessarily get. Um, well, we could keep chatting for so long. Like you said, I think we've got um, a lot uh, a lot in common. And um, uh, so it's it's been just so much fun. But I do want to jump into Leadership Express and ask you some of these questions, uh, Jeff. So are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. First of all, what's a book that you've gifted to other people? Well, <laughs> I have a stack of them on my desk and a uh, couple boxes in my storage that I give several quite a bit, but I have two that I give to a lot of young folks that work with me and, and even young folks that I mentor. One is a book called The Go-Giver, and it is by uh, Bob Berg and John David Mann, because I have it sitting here on my desk. And then the other one is a, a book called Golf Sacred Journey. And um, it's Seven Days at the Links of Utopia by David Cook. Both of those are really interesting books that have a lot of meaning to them as you read it and, and read them maybe more than once. Yeah, they're great recommendations. Uh, I'd love for you to tell everyone about your podcast and then also whether there are any podcasts. We've mentioned The Tim Ferriss Show, but any any other podcasts you're loving right now, any books you're reading right now? Any blogs you're following? Just, yeah, any anything you're really loving, reading, watching, listening right now? Sure. So I do have a podcast. We just completed episode 95 last week. And um, I started the podcast in March of 2018. And the podcast is very targeted and focused on interviewing professionals in the private equity or investment banking space that really are in and around the middle market. So companies that are 10 million in EBITDA to about 100 million of EBITDA. Occasionally I'll have limited partners who invest in those GPs or the private equity firms that invest that money. It's a 30 minute podcast and it's really a bit like yours, Chano. It's designed to highlight my guest. I'm actually 
not normally the one talking like I am here uh, on a personality test. I test very heavy introvert. So I'm much more comfortable in doing what you're doing and asking questions. So on a 30 minute episode of my podcast, I might speak four to five minutes in total. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but the podcast name is North Stars Private Equity Fast Pitch, which is where the podcast is housed. We've had about 90,000 downloads and have listeners from all over the globe. And going back to one of my passions, one of the unexpected and yet coolest things that's happened from the podcast is I've, I've received a very large number of emails from young professionals who have been listening to the podcast and later emailing me, thanking me for you know putting these folks on the podcast, people that they normally would not get to spend any time with that's allowed them to prepare for interviews or get comfortable with the space and the terminology. And, and so that's been really, really cool. And, and um, there's some folks in particular that have just, I've followed their career over the last three years and they've always said, Hey, thank you so much. What can I do for you? And all I want them to do is you know email me about every six months and give me an update on what their career uh, path is, is going down. <laughs> you know, the other question that you asked, I am, a very curious person and pretty voracious on trying to find new information and new videos that I might be able to utilize in some of our meetings at Lockton. So I do listen to a lot of Tim Ferriss. I think he's probably the most interesting to me in how he interviews guests. I would say it's close to yours or mine and that he's highlighting the person and asking good questions to get them to you know, talk and bring out some really interesting things that a listener might want to hear. Not all his podcasts are perfect, but a lot of them are very, very good. I also listen to Gary Vaynerchuk, which is kind of completely opposite <laughs> of, of Tim <laughs> Ferriss. But, you know, he has some amazing guests that he's had on and, and he's really a thought leader. And I think spot on at the time when, you know, kind of beating the drum of care and compassion and and kind candor and and those type of things that now are in vogue. But uh, he was ahead of the curve on that. And I'd, I would say that he may even be responsible for in, in February 2020, I led a meeting uh, right before we went into COVID where I, I used the word love and for the first time in a corporate setting, at least from my mouth. And uh, I had a guest speaker uh, join me who focused a lot on love in the in the workplace and and meaning loving uh, your your folks and care and compassion and empathy and how you can still be successful and have that type of uh, style and so i think you know a lot of times i'm online just pecking around trying to find stuff whether it's linkedin or videos or or things like that yeah that's brilliant uh they're they're great recommendations and um I enjoy what they do across all social media channels, particularly Gary Vaynerchuk, um, but the Tim Ferriss podcast is, is, is brilliant as well. So thank you. Um, just wondering if you have any time management or productivity tips or tools or resources that you use, Jeff. That's a great question. We talk a lot about a concept called zero sum at Lockton, which we have a uh, consultant that we work with, Pam Evanson from Lappin. And she talks a lot about this, but it's basically time blocking and and trying to block time out for various things that you pre-plan to do. And 
a lot of people, you know, kind of push back and say, I can't not look at my email. We're in the service business. And the response is, well, if you were on a flight for three hours that didn't have Wi-Fi, you can't look at your email. So what are you going to do? So um, I think that's ultimately one of the best work hacks is to try to figure out how to accomplish things during the day and understand that you're never going to be able to stop the flow of emails and people stopping by or calling you and saying, hey, do you have a minute? And the minute turns into an hour. The other thing, and not everybody's wired this way, but it's the way I'm wired. If there's a time that I can be on the phone with somebody, I'm on the phone all day long. And I go home at about 6.45, 7 o'clock at night. I have dinner with my family. And then they typically, you know, will go rest and kind of prep for bed at 9, 9.30. And I will get on the computer. And I can't remember the, the author of the book uh, right now, but there was an author that wrote a book about the one thing. Like, what's the one thing that you have to do to make the rest of the day better? Well, I apply that to the end of my day. So... I usually have a couple one things that I have to do and I will not go to bed until those things are done. And it could be one in the morning. It could be 11 at night. It could be whatever it is. It could be three in the morning, but I've found that that allows me to do a lot of things because at night after everybody's in bed, there's no email, there's no phone calls and you can just focus and work faster because you know, finishing means you can go to bed. Yeah, that's great. I haven't actually had that recommendation, but I really like it about flipping it and, doing that one thing. And I think you, you explained it really well there that, um, you know, you hear people talk about the 5am, you know, from the same sort of angle, but the idea of actually that late night with the deadline approaching of, I just want to get this sorted so I can go to bed is a really, a really, uh, really cool idea. It's a cool idea that not a lot of people want to do though. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, there might be some night owls listening who've been very frustrated with the 5am sort of idea you know that's out there it's a, a bit of a movement that you know it's valid for some people it, they talk about how life-changing it is but if it doesn't work for you then maybe um maybe trying trying the way you've unpacked it could be a solution for them yeah uh, there, there's nothing better than in my opinion spending some real quality time on a sunday afternoon prepping for the week and organizing my notes and having everything top of mind and then going to bed that night and your brain starts to work on things when you write it down. And so I find that I don't have to look at my notes much. And by Tuesday, I will relook at that summary that I wrote on Sunday. And I've knocked out 30 or 40% of the to-dos that I had wanted to knock out for the week because they were all top of mind. Yeah, absolutely. Um, last question as, as we wrap up is, um, if you could only give one piece of leadership advice to a young leader, what would you say? Try to be comfortable where you are, but inside, know where you're trying to go and work really hard every day and don't count things during that time period. I think that a lot of young people are constantly comparing, and it's hard not to do that in the world, but you've got to have a, a happiness and a comfort for where you are. And this goes back, I actually shared this with somebody earlier today. When I was running my lawn mowing business, my first commercial client was an apartment complex. And part of our contract was to pick up trash. Uh, it was a college complex. So every unit was occupied by college students. And so our, our job was to pick up trash on Saturday and Sunday mornings after, you know, all the college parties that happened in the, in the apartment complex. And 
I, being the owner of the business and being the only employee in that early stage of uh, development of that business, I was the one picking up the trash. And so it was not uncommon to see some really cute girls leaving their apartment uh, while I was picking up trash. And, and I think it would be very easy for people to feel very self-conscious about that. I never felt self-conscious about it because I knew that wasn't my end game. Mm. That was just my journey to get to where I wanted to be. And I think a lot of times young professionals are so focused on what's in it for me today. And they forget about the cumulative effect of hard work and doing the right thing over and over and over for many, many years to be successful when they're 40 or 50. And, it, and it's a hard thing to think about. Yeah, that's wonderful advice, Jeff, and a great, a great place to land, a good encouragement for, um, for young leaders or really for all leaders who are, who are listening. Uh, we've mentioned this a couple of times during the podcast, but where can people find you and your podcast um, and uh, maybe find out about Lockton companies? Um, where can people find you online? If you go to E North Star, so E N O R T H S T A R dot com, there is a link to the podcast on that website. You can also find the podcast under any of the, the major podcast sites, Spotify, the podcast app on your Apple phone, uh, I think Google. Uh, if you just Google North Star Private Equity Fast Pitch, you'll find it as well. And then you can also look up North Star. Uh, private equity fast pitch on LinkedIn. It has a site. And then uh, my LinkedIn is just under Jeff Henningsen. So it should be pretty easy to find. Yeah, wonderful. Well, thank you to our listeners for tuning in. Well, what a fun uh, episode. It's been great to to chat about so many of the things um, we've discussed today. Uh, don't forget for our listeners, I also have the John O'White Leadership Podcast and the Leadership Question of the Day Podcast, two, uh, two places that you can continue to invest in your leadership. But I want to finish today by saying a massive thank you to you, Jeff, for being so generous with your time, for sharing uh, such wonderful stories uh, from from your life about your mum and what a remarkable woman uh, with with, uh, with her story and uh, but also about sport and uh, and what you learned there you know as as a quarterback that was uh, that was that was lovely to uh, to get to hear a bit of your story and about the leadership principles that you use today so thank you so much for coming on the podcast I appreciate it and I will share that I've listened to several of your clips and. You have some amazing guests with several thoughts that I've already utilized. So I appreciate your podcast. Oh, you're very kind. Thanks, Jeff. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast as much as I did. If you're joining us for the first time, don't forget to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there, including our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from all over the world in all different roles, in different industries, answer these seven questions on leadership and leaders give these in-depth answers around how they spend their time, uh, a book that's been significant for them. It's just a gold mine. It's completely free to access. So go to consultclarity.org and look for that. We'd also love to interview you about your leadership. I believe your experience, your life, your context means that you have advice on leadership that other leaders can learn from. 
Yes, you, if you're going, not me. Well, no, I really believe you would have something to add. So if you're looking for a way to give back, it's completely free to get involved. And we would love to interview you through the seven questions on leadership. You just go to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest or Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form and get involved. We have a free resource on our website called the Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook, 10 world-class leaders giving their thoughts on leadership, and that's completely free. It's available on our homepage, consultclarity.org, right at the top. So make sure you go and get that and download it today. And we have a free daily email that you can subscribe to. We send this out to over 15,000 leaders from around the world. And uh, it contains the highlights of content from our podcasts, our blogs, um, our books, books we're reading. It's got the best content and it gives you exclusive, limited, early access to our masterclasses, workshops, new products, special offers. It's all for our subscribers. You can go to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe and join 15,000 other leaders And you know, my gift to you is to work really hard, particularly through the Leadership Conversations podcast. I have been blown away by the quality of the leaders and I'm learning as much as anyone in doing these interviews. So I'm having a great time. And my gift to you is to keep lining up the best leaders I can to invest in your leadership. Your gift to me, if you're finding this helpful, there is something that you could do that would help us out massively. And that is to write a review and to leave a rating for our podcast or wherever you're watching or listening to this, I can't tell you how much that helps us out. Also subscribe or follow. It really does make a difference in helping us to help more leaders become everything they're meant to be. Another thing that means a lot to me personally is when I see our community share our content. So if you do share this or any other piece of content on social media, then thank you and and please do that. And look for me, John White or clarity and tag us in your post. Our team is always looking for posts to engage with from our community. And there's also a chance that we'll share your content uh, to go beyond and share it with our followers. Last of all, you can check out my book. It's called Step Up or Step Out, How to Deal with Difficult People Even If You Hate Conflict. I wrote this book because 50% of the coaching sessions I have with leaders, this topic comes up again and again and again. And it's this idea of how do I have this difficult conversation? How do I lead this person better when I'm finding them difficult? Or in some cases you look and you say, I think I might be leading a difficult person. They're just quite difficult to lead or I'm finding them quite difficult to lead. So there's a three-step process that I unpack in step up or step out. And the amazing thing, and I've literally done this myself and I've heard it anecdotally from other leaders as I've coached them, is that if you follow this process, you will see that person step up and change their behavior or make a decision, which is to step out some of the time. Uh, 95% of the time, people will step up or step out in just four weeks. And I stand by that. It's uh, You have to read the book to understand, but uh, I really do believe in it and I've experienced it firsthand. It works. So you can go to Amazon, look up Step Up or Step Out John O. White or store.consultclarity.org forward slash book. Well, thank you so much for listening. We're going to be back with a new episode next time of the Leadership Conversations podcast. And I hope today has helped you to take another step towards becoming the leader you're meant to be. See you next time. 